For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Duncan had it. They turned it over. Alley oop back to Kevin. Oh, baby! Woo! KD! You can see it coming, and the building is electric off that slam dunk. Hello and welcome back to the A Wolf Among Wolves podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Hedke. As always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Hedke NBA. And this show is a part of the A Wolf Among Wolves podcast network on awolfamongwolves.com. Today's episode, I am again going solo, but I wanted to talk mainly about the Timberwolves rotation and what we can see that looking like moving forward. But before we get into that, I did want to touch on the last two games uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves had a back-to-back against the San Antonio Spurs on Saturday and Sunday, and they barely lost on Saturday. They lost in overtime, uh, but it was a really good game, and it was watchable basketball, and as Timberwolves fans, we haven't been able to say that much this season, so that was really encouraging, but I think the most encouraging thing was that Carl Anthony Towns was back for that game, and he played really well. He ended the game with like 25 points. 13 rebounds, four assists, I think. Um, and he just looked really good. And it was, and obviously he was in some pain. You could see um, a couple times his wrist got hurt. And you, you cringe for him every single time that happens because uh, the, the Timberwolves can't afford for him to um, be gone long term. But at the same time, having him in the court is so essential to this team. And he realized that he saw the losing streak and he just basically said like he had to get back and do whatever it takes to to get some wins and unfortunately they didn't get the win on Saturday um and then on the second night of a back-to-back uh many assumed he probably was not going to play um I was one that assumed he wouldn't play and that that ended up being the case he ended up sitting that one out but DeMar DeRozan was also out for the Spurs uh due to some personal reasons and the Timberwolves were able to escape with the win there. They won by uh, 8, 96-88. to 88. They actually started out the fourth quarter really poorly again. And instead of just falling over and letting letting it happen, they fought back and they, they outscored the Spurs um, in that frame by like, uh, by, I don't know, if, if, if they were tied going in the fourth, I don't really remember. Um, but yeah, they outscored them, I think. They were actually down by three going into that frame. So they outscored them by 11 points, ended up pulling out the victory, 96-88. And the Spurs aren't like a slouch team. Obviously, DeMar DeRozan was out, but then you can say Carl Anthony Towns was out. Um, And if that evens it up for whatever. I I don't really care who was playing and who wasn't playing. Uh, They broke the losing streak, and that was more important for like a confidence factor rather than just like beating the Spurs, but the Spurs are a quality team. They've beaten the Lakers, they've beaten the Clippers, 
Like, they're not a slouch team by any means. So getting a win against them is really good to see. Um, also, Josh Kogi was back for the second game there. He was on a minutes restriction, and I believe he ended up playing 20 minutes. So I'm guessing his minute restriction was around 20 minutes. Um, that's what he played. He ended up with six points, four rebounds. Um, he seemed a step slow. Uh, you could see some of his athleticism wasn't there, which you know kind of signals that maybe his injury isn't completely healed. He's probably not 100%. Um, but I would assume it would take a while for a hamstring strain to be completely 100% healed. And I think it's just something that the Timberwolves staff and Josh himself are going to have to manage and monitor as he goes on. Um, and and Josh Josh hopefully is smart enough to, to realize when it doesn't feel good and if he needs to take a step back or take a game off or something. Um, but I'm sure that they know far more about the injury than any of us do, and they're going to take care of him, and hopefully whatever's best for his health um, works out for him. But it was good to see him back on the floor. The Timberwolves have been missing his defense a lot, a lot, a lot. They've had big games put up by, I mean, DeMar DeRozan and Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal, just basically anybody playing on the wing or as a guard. Um, is just going to torch the Timberwolves without Josh Okogie. And they and they might torch him with Josh Okogie too, but Josh Okogie definitely minimalizes that, and he he kind of gets rid of uh, a little bit of that. He slows those players down. He's not somebody that's going to hold Damian Lillard to eight points. Like, nobody's going to do that. But Okogie can keep him to his average or below his average, which is, for a Timberwolves team that really needs defense, that's so important. And I think it was understated how important Josh Okogie's um, play was to this team during his absence and I'm not saying they they would have won like against the Lakers and Clippers with Josh Okogie probably not because that was an effort thing from everybody on the team and I don't think Okogie necessarily changes that but maybe they won that game against the Spurs the first go around maybe he could have slowed down Bradley Beal enough to where they were in that game with the Wizards or maybe they steal a game against the Nuggets where they were a lot closer um, those are those are the situations where Josh Okogie does really help you. Um, unfortunately, he hasn't been there, but he's back. I'm assuming he's going to be playing Wednesday against Memphis. They said that Towns is also um, looking like he's ready to go as long as there's not a setback or anything. Um, and if that's the case, barring any unforeseen injury to some hapless Timberwolves player, um, the Wolves will be fully healthy Wednesday night. And I'm recording this Tuesday, so the Wolves would be fully healthy for the first time this season. Um, the first couple of games, yeah, it was just Jalen Noel wasn't playing. And, you know, he's not in the rotation. Um, but still, Jalen Noel is a part of this team. He's on a full NBA contract. And he hasn't been there. And if they maybe would have needed him, he wasn't there. So, technically, the first time the Timberwolves are going to be fully healthy will be against Memphis on Wednesday, as long as nobody's injured between then and, th- then and now and Josh and Carl are both ready to go. And that that's going to be encouraging because the Timberwolves need to have some continuity, and I think Ryan Saunders especially needs some continuity because he hasn't had that as a coach, and people are calling for his head. And I don't necessarily think um, that's warranted, but, but some people do, and we have different opinions, and that's fine. I just don't see anything happening with Ryan Saunders until he kind of can prove what he can do as a coach with a fully healthy roster for a, a stretch of time. 
Um, I think he does some really good things. He's done some really good things this season, and he's also done some really questionable things. And is that a product of just not having your star player? I, I don't know. Um, but hopefully, like I said, the Timberwolves will be healthy for the Memphis games and for the rest of the season because that's all I hope for in the entire league. You never hope for injuries on anyone. But with that being said, I want to talk about the uh, the rotation moving forward. And I wrote a piece about this uh, for WolfAmongWolves.com. If you guys want to go ahead and check that out, it is on there. But the reason I want to talk about it is sometimes I know like it's it's tough to find the time to read things and sometimes you can go a little bit more in depth when you're when you're actively talking about it rather than typing about it. So I want to talk about the rotation um, and you guys can listen to it while you're driving or whatever. That's when I usually typically listen to my podcast too. Um, but yeah, so the rotation, as we've seen from Ryan Saunders, he seems to be a guy that wants to play a 10-man rotation and a 10-man rotation at most. There's been times he's played, you know, an 11-man rotation if somebody wasn't feeling it and then somebody came in and just looked really good and you had to do it. But typically it's 10-man rotation. Um, And I'd say that there is 12 guys that have an argument to be in that 10-man rotation this year. At least they would have either before the season or they've proven to be now. Um, so first, when I wrote about it, I just talked about rotation locks, and I think there's eight people that are locked into the Timberwolves rotation, and this isn't just based on how I think they are as a player, if I think they're worthy of a rotation spot. I'm also trying to draw off the conclusions, um, or make conclusions off of what Ryan Saunders has shown as a coach when he has had certain people healthy, what rotations have looked like at each position, who has kind of seen their minutes increase throughout the season, who has seen their minutes diminish over the the course of the first 10 games, and try and just piece all those puzzle pieces together to find the perfect 10-man group um, of who's going to play. And there, I, I came to the conclusion of 10 people, and we'll get to that if you haven't read the article. Um, I'll definitely be tell, telling you who I, who I assumed would be in that rotation going forward. Um, but I don't break down minutes-wise. You know, obviously, like Carl Anthony Towns, DeAngelo Russell, when fully healthy, are going to be playing 34, 35 minutes a night. Uh, Malik Beasley, too. Um, and then people like Nas Reed are going to are gonna be there to be backups. And that's just how th- the rotation works. Obviously, you know, your star players are going to play 35 minutes. Uh, so let's just go through it. Uh, first rotation lock is Carl Anthony Towns. Towns is the premier player on the Minnesota Timberwolves. He is a top three center in the entire NBA. Um, And he looks to be even better this season than he has in any other season. Scoring has taken a dip through his first three games. Nothing to worry about. Um, He's rebounded the ball well all three of those games. He's passing the ball better than he has in the past. And his defense looks legitimately better. There's been times where Towns has had a stretch of play. Um where he's looked good, especially at the beginning of the season. But this time seems a little bit different. Towns seems not only just in the right place at the right time, but this time he's actively being patient on the defensive end, watching what the offense is doing, and coming to a decision on what he needs to do. 
Uh, he's talking out coverages way better than we've ever seen from him, which helps not only himself as a defender, but the entire team as a defender. So that's been really encouraging. Um, and he's still the same offensive player. He hasn't shot with the same volume yet, but his efficiency is still pretty solid. Um, I'm not worried about his offense. He can take a step back on offense, and I would be totally okay with that because him being a good defender is so important to this team because he's the last line of defense there at the rim. And if he can be an average to good defender on that side of the floor without having to have someone, you know, that's really good at the power forward playing defense, that's important. I felt okay if Towns was slightly below average if you had a really good power forward playing defense, that a really good defensive power forward. Uh, but the Wolves really hadn't had that yet. And that's what makes Towns seem even worse. So if you can rely on Towns to be even good by himself when it's Wancho, Hernan Gomez next to him, that just raises the floor of this Timberwolves defense so much and also just raises the ceiling of the team as a whole uh, a ton. Um, but Carl Anthony Towns, lock for the rotation. Same goes for D'Angelo Russell. Um, he's the second best player on this team, I would say. Inconsistent, maybe. Uh, but but talent-wise, the second best player on this team. Um, in the last four-ish games, he's looked way more effective offensively. Um, and, and people were suggesting that the Wolves um, were being hurt by D'Angelo Russell being on the floor early on in the season. And, and when you looked at the numbers, it was true. But he hasn't been hurting the team. He's been helping the team when he's been on the floor lately. Uh, he's been shooting the ball really well. Um, he's been getting to the lane the last couple games, which is really encouraging. I think I saw a stat, and I, I should have wrote this down because I don't remember who, who posted it. But I think that they had said D'Angelo Russell has driven like 12 and a half times per game over the last two. So 25 drives in the last two games. Whereas the beginning of the season, it was like five drives or less per game. So basically over doubled that, which is really good because he's not a player that that gets to the line a lot. He's a type of player that will get to the get to the middle of the mid-range and, and, and pull up. And that's fine because it's typically butter from that from that area of the floor, but getting to the line or getting to the lane causes him to get to the line to shoot free throws which for D'Angelo Russell who is a really solid free throw shooter um that's important because if D'Angelo Russell can get to the line six times a game like that just raises the floor of who he can be um as an offensive player um because over his career he only gets to the line less than three times a game so if you can double that He's a career, you know, 77% free throw shooter. So if you can double that, uh, that's really, really encouraging. And that's going to help not only his offense, but just open up the entire offense for everyone. Because then defenders have to respect the fact that he can get to the lane, and he can get to the rim, and he can finish over someone. Whereas if he's not doing that, a defender is going to press up on him more, and he'll get less open shots from deep. And he hits contested shots, but... If you want, you're always going to want open shots. And uh, if he can open up that driving portion of his game, that's going to allow him to open up the three-point shooting. Uh, the next player to lock for the rotation is Malik Beasley. He's been lighting up um, from the mid-range, from deep. He's getting to the rim, finishing generally really well outside of a couple bad games there. 
Um, and he has the most consistent effort on the Timberwolves. He's always, always trying hard. He falls asleep sometimes on defense, um, but he's in, for the most part, he's giving the effort on that side of the floor, uh, which is more than we could say for some of the players on this team. Um, and he's just shooting the ball really, really well, which the Timberwolves need. They need that floor spacing, um, especially if they're wanting to play guys like Kogi, Culver, and Vanderbilt, which I'll get to in a minute here. Uh, but so far this season, Malik Beasley is averaging 19.4 points per game. He is shooting the ball 45 um, percent from the field, 39 percent from three, and 90 percent from the free throw line. And he's just looked really good. He also is rebounding uh, four and a half rebounds per game, which is far and above his best um, of his career. And he just looks so good. A near 20 point per game scorer as your third highest scorer is really good. The Timberwolves had that back with Wiggins uh, Towns and then they had Levine was almost at 20 points per game as well uh, and that was a team that people were really excited about so I'm really excited about Malik Beasley I don't have a ton, a ton much more to say about him but he's playing the most minutes on the team which obviously you know they paid him you know 15 million dollar annual value over the next four years with that uh, team option they, they, he's going to be in the, there's just no way he's not in the rotation. And I don't think anybody would want him to not be in the rotation. Uh, the next guy is Ricky Rubio, uh, the true second best point guard on this team. Um, he's been kind of disappointing as a leader to start out the season, though that has turned around a bit in the last few games. Hopefully that continues to, to be the case. Um, he makes some questionable decisions, but that's kind of always been who Ricky Rubio was. Uh, the more I, think back about it the more I watch stuff from when Ricky was with the Timberwolves before. Um, he's a good decision maker at times and sometimes he he takes an off-balance little runner that just doesn't make a lot of sense in a in a pivotal moment. Um, but he has looked really good and Saunders has shown that he wants to play those two on the or him with D'Angelo Russell uh, on the floor at the same time. And we haven't really seen many dividends from that but Maybe, maybe they'll come. They probably will come. Ricky's a true professional. I think he'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, he's he's looked better. And he's it's Ricky Rubio. They traded specifically to get him. He's going to be in the rotation. Uh, the next player is Anthony Edwards. He's the number one overall pick from the 2020 NBA draft. Timberwolves just drafted him like less than two months ago. And he's already played 10 NBA games, which is ridiculous when you think about how long rookies usually have. Um, but even with the shortened summer or fall or winter or whatever you want to call it even with the shortened training camp no summer league Edwards has looked pretty solid he's not a very efficient scorer a lot of a lot of rookies aren't to be fair uh, but he showed really impressive flashes um, in multiple areas of the game offensively he can get to the rack he can make the shots from deep um, he has a he has an okay mid-range shot for now I think that'll improve too but I don't think it's something where he's settling for a lot of mid-ranges uh, kind of how Andrew Wiggins was. Um, and defensively, he's shown some flashes, but he's also not... Overall, he hasn't been good defensively, but but you can work on that. He has the skills to be it, and hopefully he can buy in, especially if the team's playing better defense. You know, if if Cat's bought in and Cat is healthy and, you know, Josh is healthy, Vanderbilt, if he's in the rotation, that's just... That's going to help Edwards be a better defender, too. Um, and he, and even if Edwards hasn't looked good, even if he looked really bad, he would still be in the rotation. He's a number one pick. 
Um, they're not going to not play him. Uh, but luckily for the Timberwolves, he's better than an absolute dumpster fire, which is good. Uh, the next guy, Josh Akogi. Uh, he's only played in four games this season, um, but he is legitimately the best defender on this team that is desperate for consistency on the defensive side of the floor. Um, not a great offensive player. He does have his own shortcomings on that side. He's not a great shooter. He uh, loses control of the ball sometimes and drives to the lane without much of a plan. Um, but he's still super athletic, and he does get to the rack um, and finishes there pretty well uh, as long as he holds on to the ball on the way down there. Um, but his defense alone is enough to keep him in the rotation and probably in the starting lineup. Um, he's just looked really good on defense when healthy, and the Timberwolves the Timberwolves have needed that for a long time, and it's clear they need that this season as well. So he's going to play. Like, nobody's questioning. Actually, people are questioning if Josh Kogi's good. I'm not questioning if Josh Kogi's good uh, because his defense is so important to this, this Timberwolves team. But moving on from Josh, we'll move to Jarrett Culver. I would also say Jarrett Culver is a lock for this team. Um, I think what we saw from Culver in the preseason and in the first couple games of the regular season, when the team was fully healthy or almost fully healthy, and Culver was in a consistent role as the backup 3-2-3 um, three, three with Edwards there, playing alongside Edwards, um, playing alongside Ricky Rubio, he looked really encouraging. And since then, his role has changed to where he played some power forward against the Clippers. Um, and he played, he's had to guard the Bradley Beals and the Jamal Murrays of the world. And that's a Kogi's role, to guard those guys. Culver's role should be to guard the second guys. He should be the one guarding the Lonnie Walkers instead of the DeMar DeRozans. Um, and I think that's going to be his role going forward. He's going to be coming off the bench, I think, to do that. But I, th- I'm, I was encouraged enough by that, and it seems that Saunders was as well, to keep him in the rotation. Now, his shot still doesn't look good. Uh, the form is only slightly better than last season. The percentages are not good to start out this year. Um, I'll pull them up quick, but Culver's free throw percentage after making all 10 of his in the preseason, has reverted to 58.8%, uh, which is better than his 46% last year, but it's still not great. Um, shooting from three is even worse. He's at two point, or he's at 23.8% on two attempts per game, so he's not shooting a ton of them. He is shooting better from the field, though. He's shooting 52% from two-point land, which is, which is good. And I like to use two-point percentage over using field goal percentage because I think it's just um, a little bit fair of, a, of an argument there. But So he's shooting over 50% from from two, which is good. Um, but he's rebounding the ball really well. He's got six rebounds a game. Um, and he, he just looks way more confident on the floor. Um, and if he can get the shot to start falling even slightly better to where he's at 30-something percent from the year, which I think 24%. Uh, is a little low. I think that's going to be raised here, uh, especially with catback. Culver will have even more open looks from deep, uh, which should lead to better better shots and better uh, timing for him. So I'm not too too worried about that. I, obviously, we do want this 
the shooting to improve, but the defense has been better and the rebounding has been really good. So I am encouraged by Culver, and I think that Ryan Saunders is too. He's going to be in the rotation, especially being the second best wing defender on this team. And then the last person as a lock for the rotation, in my mind, um, is Nas Reed. So it's it's come it's really come down to this to where Nas Reed Nas Reed's role is the backup center on this team. Uh, when Carl Anthony Towns is on the court, Towns will start and Nas Reed backs him up. When Towns is not on the floor, Ed Davis starts and Nas Reed backs Ed Davis up. That makes a ton of sense. Nas Reed, at this point in his career, he's 21 or 22 years old, I think. Wait, maybe he's even younger than that. Nas Reed is young. Um, and at this point in his career, he's not a starting center. Um, and he's way more fit to be a backup. You know, playing against the, the Jakob Pertles of the world instead of the Lamarcus Aldridge's. Um, but yeah, he's 21 years old. Um, in his second year in the league, he's transformed his body this year, and I think he's I think he's a really solid backup center, and he's gonna be, I think, a really solid backup center uh, for a few years, and maybe at some point he does he does get to the point where he can be um, the starting center on an NBA team. Right now, I don't necessarily think he's there, but he's looked really good in that backup role. Um, he spaces the floor a little bit. He has a more similar play style to Towns than he does to Ed Davis, which is good because the system can run pretty smoothly with Nas Reed in there um, as the backup, and the whole offensive system doesn't have to change. Um, and he's been staying out of foul trouble as a backup center, which is re- really good. Um, but yeah, shifting him to the bench roll with Towns being back, he is the backup center. Ed Davis will not be the backup center. Um, and I'm confident that Nas Reed is going to play. And he looks confident in that backup center role. And he's super capable of doing that. So as as long as either Davis or Towns is playing, I think Nas Reed will be the backup center. I don't think he's going to be a starter unless one of those two, or excuse me, unless both of those two are not playing. So with that being said, that was eight guys. I'll run through the list again. These are the locks again. Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Ricky Rubio, Anthony Edwards, Josh Okogie, Jarrett Culver, and Nas Reed. Those are the eight players on the Minnesota Timberwolves that I think will be locked into Ryan Saunders' rotation. I think they are in there unless they play really, really, really poorly. It would take a lot to get those players to not be in the rotation. Now, and like like I'm saying here, I don't think that they are locks who play the entire season in the rotation. That's if they are maintaining solid play. Uh, if it gets really bad, of course they're not going to keep playing. I just I just wanted to preface that. But let's move on. Let's move on to the uh, the four players that have an argument, I think, to be in the rotation. Um, and who fills those last two spots? So I should mention this as well. The Timberwolves have had, so far uh, this season... 13 players who have played at least uh, 13.9, the lowest is 13.9, minutes per game um, this year. And some of those guys haven't played every game. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns has only played three. Josh Okogie has played four. 
Uh, Jordan McLaughlin has played four games. He averages 16 minutes in those four. Vanderbilt's only played in eight games, averaging 15 minutes. Layman's only played in nine of the 10. He averaged 14. Ed Davis played in eight of the 10. He averaged 14 minutes. Um, And then everybody else, like Juancho Hernan Gomez, all those guys have all played every game. And then Noel's only played in one game. And McDaniels has only gotten garbage time minutes. So of those... 13 players that um, have played at least 13.9 minutes a night in at least a few games. Um, I think 12 of them have a, a legitimate um, argument to be in the rotation. And the the 13th one would be Jordan McLaughlin. I think that there's just not really a role for him right now um, to be in that rotation. But he's a good player and, and he will be useful in times where where there's foul trouble or something. I'll I'll talk about McLaughlin a little bit later here. So of the four people that I think have a chance to be in the rotation or an argument to be in the rotation, are they are Jake Lehman, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Jared Vanderbilt, and Ed Davis. So let's talk about Lehman first. Lame it's funny how how fast things can turn around. Jake Lehman Originally was brought in by Gerson Rosas, right? And Ryan Saunders and Rosas basically said that, you know, Jake Lehman is going to be the guy that makes the offense go. Um, And at times it looked like he was that guy, especially in the preseason. Um, And it looked like he was going to be the fifth the fifth starter alongside D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Josh Akogi, and Carl Lee Towns. It looked like Jake Lehman was going to be in that three-slash-four spot. And he was, to be fair. He was for the first uh, first couple games of the year. Um, but then he didn't play well, um, and he fell kind of back into a bench role. And then in the Portland Trailblazers game, his role began to dwindle. Um, he played 12 minutes and 44 seconds off the bench against Portland. And then when we we went to the first, uh, the front end of that back-to-back against San Antonio, Jake Lehman played just under five minutes in the first half, and he didn't, he didn't see the court in the in the second half. And then Ryan Saunders followed that up by not playing Jake Lehman at all against the Spurs in that second game. Um, so my verdict on him is he's out. He's not He's not going to be in the, the 10-man rotation right now. Uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez hasn't been proving himself a ton either. So I could see a world where Juancho doesn't play well and Jake Lehman... Uh, comes in and, and takes Wancho's spot. Um, but right now, I think it's going to be Wancho Hernan Gomez. He's been starting the last, ever since the Denver games, he's been starting. And he's been playing a little bit better than he did to start the season. But his spot isn't safe. Wancho Hernan Gomez isn't a lock for this rotation going forward. Um, so for Jake Lehman to really see more minutes, he's going to have to impress Ryan Saunders in practice. Um so he can get a little bit more in-game action. Or if there is spot minutes for Jake Lehman, like, he's going to have to really impress Saunders to where Saunders wants to see more of Jake Lehman alongside certain players on this team. But for right now, uh, Jake Lehman's rise uh, started falling, and it, it's still falling right now. And I think he's going to fall out of the rotation, at least at least to start here with a fully healthy team. And then the next, the next guy I want to talk about is Wancho. Uh, Wancho hasn't been 
great so far. He's really underwhelmed as a $7 million annual value player um, on the Timberwolves. But he has stuck in the Timberwolves starting lineup since that January 3rd game against the Denver Nuggets. He played really well. He had a 25-point game the second game against Denver. Um, he's been inconsistent offensively. He's not good defensively. There's a Like I wrote, he, there's a lot left to be desired on the defensive side of the floor. But with him in the starting lineup the past five games, I think he keeps that I can I think he keeps that spot for now. Um but like I said before, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Lehman plays really well, looks really well in practice or in spot minutes and and takes that role away from Wancho Hernan Gomez. But for right now it seems clear Ryan Saunders wants Wancho in there as the power forward. And until we see anything differently, uh, my verdict is Wancho Hernan Gomez uh, will be in the Timberwolves rotation. The next person to talk about, Jared Vanderbilt. He was the talk of the town during the Minnesota Timberwolves in-market bubble. Uh, I believe it was in September, sometime this fall. And then it turned out uh, Jared was not really a factor to being in the Timberwolves rotation to start this season. Uh, the only time he got minutes was really in garbage time. He brought a, he brought a lot of energy he brought a lot of defensive versatility, a lot of hustle, um, and it warranted him getting a chance to to crack the rotation in in some games. And he cracked the rotation in games where Carl Anthony Towns wasn't wasn't playing, and Vanderbilt was playing exclusively at the center spot. So I wasn't one hundred percent confident that that Jared would would really find minutes in this rotation going forward once Carl Anthony Towns was healthy. Um, the effort didn't stop when he got rotation minutes against real NBA competition. Um, and over the last few games, he still looked really good. He's brought that intensity. He's a really good rebounder. Um, and I think it's going to reward him with continued time in the, in the fold of the Timberwolves rotation. His defensive versatility is really important. He can, he can guard pretty much one through five, um, one through four comfortably. I would say he's quick, he's athletic, he's long. And he's, he's pretty strong. And I know he looks a lot smaller on TV than I, I think he probably does in, in person. Um, now, offensively, he's not a floor spacer. He doesn't shoot the ball well. He doesn't actually shoot the ball at all. He just uh, He's kind of like Ed Davis in that he's not going to shoot it unless he's around the rim, um, which is okay. He understands that that's a shortcoming of his game, and he's not trying to force anything. Um, but he doesn't provide that spacing. But he's still effective on, on that side of the floor on the offensive side of the floor by cutting, by rolling off of off of screens. And I think he's... And just getting offensive rebounds, too, is another big part of his game that I think really helps him. But um, it was interesting to see when Towns came back. Um, actually, even at the end of the Portland game, Vanderbilt shared the floor with Nas Reed for a little bit. Originally, it was Jada McDaniels and Nas Reed, and I was and I was confused, and I saw some other people like Dane Moore were confused, you know why why they didn't try the Nas Vanderbilt pairing together, um, and then they they ended up actually running McDaniels Vanderbilt and Nas Reed all together at the end of that game, but that was garbage time minutes against players like C.J. Ellaby that I'm sorry just don't really give you a clear and concise like idea of what something can be. But then in San Antonio, um, between the two San Antonio games, Vanderbilt shared the floor with Cat for three minutes. Uh, 
in that first one. And then in the, the throughout the two games, he shared the floor with Nas Reed for 27 combined minutes. Uh, so 13 and a half minutes per game between those two, Nas and, and Jared shared the floor. So Jared was effectively playing the power forward spot for 30 minutes in the last two games, 15 minutes a game in the last two games. He was a power forward and he looked good in that role. Um, and Timberwolves fans have been wanting it. You know, that's been a, that's been a thing. And even me at times, you know, I, I understand the small ball type of aspect, but sometimes you have to adjust to what your opponent's going to do. Cause you, sometimes your opponent's just not going to adjust to what you're doing. Um, and we call for these two big lineups and it always seemed like Saunders and Rosas were not going to do it. And I don't know if that was a Saunders thing or a Rosas thing. It seemed to me to be more of a Saunders, or I mean, excuse me, a Rosas thing than it was a Saunders thing. But eventually it happened. And and the reason that it happened and the reason they allowed it to happen was Jared Vanderbilt being very, 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 very versatile on the defensive side of the floor to where he's not stuck guarding just a power forward. He can guard any position. And to the fact where he's athletic enough, he cuts well, to where he can get places on the offensive side of the floor, even without the floor spacing. Um, and it makes sense now. The Timberwolves released Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. And many questioned the move. I initially questioned the move, um, and then I started to understand it a little bit. But now it really makes sense. Jared Vanderbilt can ball. Jared Vanderbilt probably will be more important to this team than Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Um, he's probably more of an offensive threat, uh, just by being taller, more athletic, um, can catch lobs from Ricky Rubio, um, and just being, I would say just a bit, a bit more versatile than, than Rondé, maybe not quite as good, but a bit more versatile. I'm going to, it makes sense. It makes sense. The Timberwolves didn't need Rondé if they had Vanderbilt and if Vanderbilt was going to play, but I don't think the plan was, oh, we're going to cut Rondé because we're going to play Vanderbilt. Um, I don't think that was a thing. I don't think Rondé was really going to play either, and that's why they cut him. Um, but it was like, it was, we have Vanderbilt. If we needed to play Rondé, we could play Vanderbilt. But Vanderbilt has played himself into a role, um, and him being able to play the four or the five and to guard so many different positions really opened the door for a multitude of ways that, uh, Ryan Saunders could utilize his rotations and lineups. Um, so my verdict on Jared Vanderbilt is in the rotation, in the 10-man rotation going forward. So there's our 10 guys in um, with Vanderbilt and with Wancho. Uh, the last person I want to talk about was Ed Davis. Uh, it, it, Ed Davis has a role in this team. Uh, when Townsend and Nas Reed are healthy, Ed Davis just is the third, the third center on this team, maybe even the fourth with Jared Vanderbilt. Um... You know, he's there to fill fill a void if Towns is out to start or whatever. Um, and, and I think he provides some cool things to this team. You know, he, he seems to synergize well with D'Angelo Russell on the court. Um, he sets really good screens. Um, and he looks better now than he did to start the season in the preseason. He just looked really bad then. And he's looked better now. Not, not great, but he has had some encouraging games. Even the last game, Sunday night against San Antonio, he looked good um in his role and and that's good but going forward he's he's not going to be in the rotation um I would have guessed that he maybe would you know fill in for Towns or Nas Reed if there's some foul trouble but I think 
depending on what type of matchup there is. You know, Jared Vanderbilt could get that role now too. Uh, but Davis will be there to be that third center on this team. If there's an injury or COVID thing that happens, he's there. And he will he might get some spot minutes if they need him. But he's he my verdict on him, he's not going to be in the rotation moving forward. And then I just wanted to touch base quick on the other four players on the roster, Jalen Noel, Jordan McLaughlin, Jaden McDaniels, Ashton Haggins. I think McLaughlin's the closest to having an argument to be on the uh, or in the rotation. He is a a really solid point guard, I think. Um, he gives effort all the time. Um, he's on a two-way, so he couldn't play in every game. Um, he hasn't played in a few. Uh, he only played four total games. And I don't think he's going to be in the rotation unless Rubio or Russell is out. I think he's the third point guard. Um, Ashton Haggins, I would expect to see him in the G League bubble. Um, and if not, he's just going to sit on the bench. He's on another two-way contract. He's not going to play for this team. Uh, we haven't seen any minutes of him this regular season. It's clear that he is like the fifth point guard on this roster. I think that the Timberwolves would be more willing to play Jalen Noel at point guard rather than than Haggins at this point. So I, I'd expect to see Haggins uh, participate in the G League bubble in February down, at, down in Florida. Um, Jaden McDaniels also, I would expect to see him in the G League bubble. He, uh, he's stuck behind like Hernan Gomez, Vanderbilt, Lehman, um, in that, that forward spot on the roster. And I just don't see him, uh, being a factor this season, but I, I am really intrigued by, by Jaden McDaniels and I want to get deeper into, into him later on, um, in the season and kind of break down some things. Um, but I think if he adds some muscle and really fine-tunes his game, he could be a player, a really good player in this league. Um, obviously, things will have to fall right. But I'm, I've am i been encouraged by what I've seen from him in garbage time. Um, not enough to put him in the rotation, but enough to where like I totally get the move to draft him, and I love the move, and I love it even more after watching him play. Uh, he just has some skills that you can't teach someone of his size. So if he puts on some muscle, um, I think he's going to be a, a solid player in this league. And the last person under contract for the Timberwolves is Jalen Noel. Noel looked really good in the preseason, especially that one game. He lit it up. And then to to follow that, he's been hurt basically the entire the entire season, and he hasn't really seen many minutes um, yet. I think he's had eight minutes in that one uh, that one game that he played against the. Uh, Sorry, in that one game he played against Portland, he had eight minutes um, towards the end of the game. And I think there there might be a place for Noel if, you know, hopefully not, but if there is a an injury to, like, Beasley or Edwards or Kogi or Culver, I could see Noel sliding in there to, to play some of that because he can score the ball um, effectively, and he's a good shooter. He can... He drives pretty well. He's a little undersized, but he still drives pretty well. And I, I would be encouraged to to know that Noel is there for um to fill a to fill a role if someone does go down for whatever reason. Um so with that being said, um I wouldn't be surprised if Noel and Jordan McLaughlin were kept in Minnesota during during this time 
um, as insurance policies in case of foul trouble or injury or COVID-related absences um, or any of those things. I don't think they'll factor into a fully healthy Timberwolves rotation, but I wouldn't be surprised if they don't go to the G League. And I don't know how that works for like Noel, if they can assign him to G League or whatever. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised um, to see McLaughlin Noel stay with the with the Timberwolves throughout the season and not really spend any time uh, with the G League. And I don't know what it's like if a player is in the G League and if they can come back you know, get called up, but then they have to go through probably a quarantine period, uh, which is, which would be tough to, if you, if somebody goes down with injury and you need somebody right away, you know, if they have to sit through a quarantine period uh, to be cleared, uh, is it worth sending that person to the G League at all? I'm not, I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, those are the all, I guess, all fifth, 16 players on the Minnesota Timberwolves roster and how I think they factor into the rotation. Um, and it's kind of interesting because I spoke about the Timberwolves rotation um, before the season and I tried to, I really tried to pin down what it would look like uh, before really knowing who, you know, what anything would, who would play well, any of that. Um, and I kind of like, you know, I expected Jake Lehman to have a solid role in this team. I expected Ed Davis to have more of a role than Nas Reed, and Nas Reed looked really good. I didn't expect people like Jared Vanderbilt um, to be in the rotation. And things have changed. So the Timberwolves rotation isn't as I expected, and I knew it wouldn't be, but we'll see if it plays out. And like I said, I don't know that these are the 10 players that uh, that Saunders is for sure going to play, but just reading the tea leaves, looking into the lineup data, parsing through everything that's happened who he's played alongside each other. Like, this is what I've came up with. And it seems to make um, sense. And I think it's kind of on par with what most people are assuming. But I just want to go down um, quickly before the end of the show. just want to go down the Timberwolves depth chart, talk about what I think the first unit will be, the second unit will be, and then the reserves at each spot. Um, so to start out with the the starting lineup, I think it'll be Russell, Beasley, Okoge, Hernan Gomez, and Towns think that's going to be uh the lineup when fully healthy um maybe you can make an argument for Vanderbilt in that starting lineup but I think you really want to space the floor to start the game for like D'Angelo Russell um and Carl Anthony Towns so I don't think having two non-shooters with a Kogi and Vanderbilt is the best idea that leaves the bench with the other five Rubio Edwards Culver Vanderbilt and Nas Reed and then the reserves at the backup point guards are McLaughlin and Haggins. The backup shooting guard is Jalen Noel. The backup three slash four is Jake Lehman. The backup four is McDaniels and the and the reserve five. Excuse me, these are all the reserves. Um, Ed Davis. But yeah, those those are the those are the guys that I think will be in the Timbers rotation on how I think it'll shake out. Um, I'm encouraged by the play in San Antonio. Uh, if the defense can be solid this year, the offense can get going. We can see some Timberwolves wins. Um, but we got to stay healthy. Like I said, Timberwolves look like they're going to be healthy for the first time all season on Wednesday. So knock on wood, and uh, hopefully that does happen. But anyways, that's about it. So I'm going to wrap up today's show. I hope you all did enjoy listening to this podcast. If you do enjoy the Wolf Among Wolves podcast, please consider subscribing, liking, leaving a rating, downloading every episode on whatever your favorite podcast platform is, 
whether that be Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Himalaya, any of those podcast apps. Um, if you could leave a rating, um, leave a review, download the podcast, listen to every episode. I really do appreciate that. Uh, you can also find all my work over at awolfamongwolves.com, so make sure you're you're watching out for that. But yeah, thank you again so much for listening. I really do appreciate that. And until next time, it's been Brendan. Peace. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.